You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, welcome into this crossover Thursday, Locked On Bears with Locked On Browns. I'm Lauren Cox alongside Jeff Lloyd from Locked On Browns. Getting ready for what's going to be a fun matchup between two teams with uh, some young quarterbacks. Well, a very raw quarterback for Chicago and <laughs> one that we're excited to see the evolution of Baker Mayfield here sort of moving forward. And Jeff, it, it, I think this matchup just got a little bit more exciting this week with, with Justin Fields being named starting quarterback. Uh, yeah, well, and look, you look at the two fan bases involved here, you know, Ohio, Cleveland, um, that's always the, uh, you know, Ohio pro football team most associated with the Ohio state university and, you know, Justin Fields, um, he was a player I loved, uh, you know, I mean, it's nice to be able to window shop quarterbacks when you don't have a need for one. And so, you know, I've had the pleasure of doing that for the last few draft cycles, but Justin Fields was, you know, a player I was enamored with, um, and then. People wanted to, I mean, like, did anybody watch the Clemson game last year? I mean, the guy was literally to the point where it was, you know, basically gasping for air for about 23 seconds, then ran out, ran a play for six seconds, and then spent the next 23 seconds gasping for air again. Um, but with the announcement today, um, I guess the first question I have, Lauren, is do you think it's, a, do you think it really had anything to do with Andy Dalton? And, you know, who knows if we'll ever even see another, you know, and this is where Andy Dalton's at in his stage of his career. Do you think it was going to trend this way anyway? Because, I mean, it's you get to these points, it's like, well, what's the point? You have so much invested, and certainly for Nagy, look, it's very rare you get two. It's very rare you get two quarterbacks. And, you know, obviously, whatever future he's got left in Chicago is certainly going to hinge on Justin Fields. So it comes to a certain point where it's like, well, what are we doing here? We all know what the future is. We all kind of know what the present should be. What are we waiting for? Well, the thing is now, even with Justin Fields being named the starter, Matt Nagy still said when Andy Dalton is healthy, he will be our starting quarterback. Justin Fields is starting this week. And I mean, I don't know that any of us really believe Matt Nagy when he says that, but they're very committed to the idea, I guess, of Andy Dalton. That when they signed him as a free agent, they promised him, hey, you're going to be our starting quarterback this year. You're QB1. And so drafting Justin Fields wasn't going to necessarily fully budge them off that point. I think some of that's just more like, being you know a man of your word and good faith negotiating and, and letting future free agents believe you when you when you promise them those sort of things but now that he's hurt now that you've got fields this is your excuse right this is your reason to say all right we have to play fields now no question about that Andy Dalton is hurt there's no reason to go back at that point you can at this point you could say after two or three weeks if fields plays well well we're just not going to go back to Andy Justin Fields gives us a better chance to win and it wasn't as though you know, you, you quote unquote benched Andy Dalton. It's just some, the nature of the comp, the way competition works, but bears fans have been scarred long enough to just have this feeling. Like even if fields goes well, that we can't put it past Matt Nagy to not potentially bench Justin Fields again at some point this season, especially if there's any sort of question about how well fields is playing. I gotta be honest, you know, betting on your head coaching job with Andy Dalton doesn't seem like the wisest investment in the world, but Hey, Matt Nagy, go ahead and knock yourself out. Um, we've gotten, it's not like we haven't gotten to see Justin Fields yet to this point. We've got to see a little bit, you know, what are the reviews and most importantly, what are they going, what's going to be different? You know, what, what allows them, you know, more pages in the playbook, so to speak, even though, you know, obviously he's a rookie, but you know, what is the advantageous situation for the bears going to Justin Fields? 
Yeah, so obviously mobility first and foremost. And it's, it's funny that Dalton was actually doing a good job of getting out of the pocket and scrambling, and that's actually how he got hurt, was scrambling out of the pocket and tried to make a cut on the sideline, and his knee kind of bent funny, and somehow that results in a bone bruise. I'm not a doctor. I don't understand how that works. But you know, that's sort of the, the first thing is that Fields is not a run-first quarterback by any means, but he is very good with his legs and will run a lot, of, a lot more run-pass options and read options that – Dalton just doesn't have that same threat. I mean, they'll, they'll still run it with him, but you're not really worried that he's going to keep it and take off for 15 or 20 yards. So that will be, I think, a key advantage that the Bears are looking for. But more importantly, I think, and a little bit less you know, surface level obvious, is that it, Justin Fields has been much more prone to throwing downfield. Andy Dalton, I think, had the lowest average depth of target of any quarterback this season. He's only attempted a couple of passes beyond 10 yards. Some of that's been scheme and intentional and what defenses are trying to do to take some things away. And some of it's just been Dalton being a check down King, but Justin Fields has the longest average depth of target in the NFL in his limited options or limited snaps passing. He has been throwing downfield, particularly the deep sidelines has been where he's been looking to go. And it's, it's trying to add that more explosive element to this bears offense that was definitely missing with Andy Dalton. And they're definitely trying to get more of that without having fields trying to do too much and be a hero and force the ball where it doesn't need to be so far. He's been pretty good at that one interception against the Bengals was kind of a, a disguised robber coverage underneath that. It's kind of a rookie thing that you'll get caught on, but it wasn't a bad decision or trying to force something where it wasn't supposed to be. So there will be some learning curves, but we're expecting more electric ground game and a little bit more downfield passing. So somewhere Alan Robinson is probably singing hallelujah to the top of, you know, wherever he is defensively. Um, and you brought up the Bengal game last week. And first things first, the entire AFC North thanks you. Uh, you know, thank you, Chicago, for that last week. And, you know, for me, I've been trying to say that I never understood what Cincinnati did this year. Um, and they made it show up even more last week. Look, if you just said we're going to take Jamar Chase, you're saying we're throwing the ball 45 times a year. We're throwing it all over the yard. We're throwing it all the way downfield. And then it was like check down Charlie stuff on Sunday, which was really, really confusing because you don't have the pass rush to be doing those things. Defensive side of the ball, though. I mean, you know, some of the names here are the same. Um, and, you know, stalwarts coming pretty good, solid stalwarts in the NFL. But you guys have a cornerback that I don't think a lot of people really know about. And he is playing really, really good football right now. Yeah, the problem is he's the only one in the secondary that's playing really good football. <laughs> and Johnson has been lights out for two games, shut down press man-to-man, -man, and even some off-coverage too. But, I mean, he has not allowed much at all in his coverage. I mean, he's just been physical, aggressive, knows when to be, you know, when, when he can jump around and go for an interception like he did against Burrow, and when he needs to play the receiver more and, and wait till the ball's in the air before he really sort of closes. And he did that really well against the Rams too. So he's been phenomenal. But the other cornerbacks, Kendall Vildor is the other starter, which is a, a first-round name, but a, a fifth-round prospect and he's playing like a seventh round prospect right now uh, it, it's just been okay he's young and inexperienced he was a fifth round pick just two years ago so he's this is really his first major action and then the slot has been the big weakness week one it was a uh, safety marquee christian playing some slot cornerback last week it was a former sixth round pick duke shelley both have been pretty awful have been exactly where opposing quarterbacks have been looking to target and i would expect the browns are going to go there early and often well, it'll be interesting. You could see Dimitri Felton maybe in that role as, you know, maybe the Bears also catching a little bit of a break with, uh, you know, Jarvis Landry certainly out, um, you know, for a small foreseeable future. Um, with everything that's been going on, you know, I, I think I, I really like the player that David Montgomery has become for this team. And here's the thing, it, it, you know, everybody was huge fans of him. Um, you know, a lot of broken tackles, great stiff arm ability. 
Then the draft cycle came and it was like, oh, well, maybe he's just not, not as athletic as we thought. Bears didn't care, uh, ran with it. And, you know, I think, again, now we always get these anomaly players where it's, you know, you get them in there and it's like, I don't know what happened that day because the testing numbers don't match. Um, but now the reliance obviously is going to be a little bit more on David Montgomery here because you just can't look at Justin Fields and say, you know, we're going to give him all, you know, 675 you know pages of the playbook, so to speak. Yeah, the thing with David Montgomery is like he, he came on strong his rookie season, and then last year the Bears' offensive line as a whole kind of fell off, and the running game kind of disappeared a little bit. And it wasn't until the second half of last season they switched things up schematically, went to more of like a stretch wide zone. You know that this Kyle Shanahan style offense halfway through last season, and the offense as a whole started to get a little bit more comfortable and really predicated on that running game and the offensive line playing a little bit better. And he has picked up where he left off last season, not even schematically. They've kind of gotten back to, you know, a lot of shotgun handoffs and Matt Nagy inside zone, some run pass options and, and read options with that. But he, he just seems to be, you know, running harder, more physical, ref just refusing to go down. Like it, there's just a little bit more fire in his step. And it's this thing, you know, every offseason, every player talks about how, well, this year I got faster and I gained muscle and lost fat. I mean, they, they all kind of say it, but there was a, a the next gen stats confirmed mm -hmm. that, David Montgomery ran faster on his some of his longer runs than he had run in any game in his career up to this point. So there, there is a very real speed increase. Is it the whole reason it's different? Not necessarily. The schematically, the Rams were playing some pretty light boxes, and when the you know the Bears with against the Bengals were able to kind of get some things going against a linebacking core that's not phenomenal there. So there's been more than just Montgomery being better, but it's been a, a welcomed improvement in this Bears offense. And like you said, I think especially with Fields, we're going to see a lot of that read option and RPO game to either open things up for Montgomery or open things up for fields. One of them should have some space somewhere. Yeah. It just seems, and also that you go with the simplest things and you want to get Justin Fields out there. You want to get a little confidence going, uh, you know, before you start maybe putting a little bit more on his plate uh, Browns fans, we certainly know and seen how this works. Uh, you know, when you're breaking in a rookie quarterback with somebody that you're going to have so much invested into, it is crossover Thursday on the lockdown podcast network. Locked on Bears, Lauren Cox, Jeff Floyd, host of Locked on Browns. We're going to continue through here today. Um, it's going to be a fun one. It's been four years. I still remember the Christmas Eve game, and I still still remember screaming as Miles Garrett was going to the house, and it was called back, and, you know, there's me all upset and aggravated, which was my first year covering the Browns, and then that's basically when everybody told me, oh, yeah, that's it. You're in. So we got more coming here on your crossover Thursday. Locked on Bears, Locked on Browns. All right, welcome back to Crossover Thursday. Lauren Cox, Lockdown Bears, alongside Jeff Lloyd from Lockdown Browns. Previewing this Bears-Browns matchup. Two teams that don't get to see each other all that often. And I think Bears fans might still be catching up with, I think, the rest of the national media in terms of just how good this Browns team is and is progressing and how, how they've sort of gotten to this point over the last couple of seasons. They start the season one-on-one, -on -one, of course, losing to the Kansas City Chiefs is is no no real sin. And then <laughs> a, a nice win over the Texans. Jeff, if you could, where do you sort of start for the Browns this season in terms of how they're meeting expectations so far? How did you feel like they kept up with, with, with Kansas City in terms of the barometer of really competing with what's presumed to be the best team in the AFC? Well, and this is where it got – look, I think the offense is pretty much where it, it, it needs to be. Um, and a lot of people huffing and puffing about it. Um, the Bears – I mean, the Browns averaged 30 points through the first two weeks. I, I'm not really sure where the issue is here. Um, could it have been neater? Could it have been tighter? Sure. Did anybody really play in the summer? No. 
No, they didn't. So, you know, you kind of got to expect things like that. Um, certainly a marathon, not a sprint defensively. And this is where the Chiefs game probably went a little weird. Uh, Ronnie Harrison doesn't get ejected. Grant Delpit does play. This is ideally, and Joe Woods, for 20 months, he's almost been here as a defense coordinator. And he's talked about, I want to play three safeties. I want to play a lot of dime, which means he wants to eliminate linebackers. He wants to play faster. It's how you do that? You get linebackers off the field. First things first, last year, didn't have them. Andrew Sandejo was not that guy. Carl Joseph was not that guy. They lost Grant Talbot. Luckily, they had Ronnie Harrison, so they at least had one competent safety on the field. Um, you bring in John Johnson to go with Grant Talbot, to go with Ronnie Harrison. And it's this maybe wasn't going to be the plan for the Bears the way it was going to unfold, you know, with it being Andy Dalton. But now that it is going to be Justin Fields, and you know, you're, you're aiming to play teams like Baltimore, play teams like Kansas City, these quarterbacks who have the ability to run with the football as well. And again, Fields, it's not truly, you know, the calling card for him that it is maybe a Lamar Jackson or some other quarterbacks, but the threat is certainly there and is certainly real. How do you combat that? Athleticism. And it's not about anybody chasing some of these guys down. These quarterbacks are as fast as anybody on the field. It's about making them run wide. And you know, we've seen that's kind of the blueprint when Baltimore does not play well. That's how it's usually done is you have Lamar Jackson running east and west, not north and south. And he gets close enough to the sideline where it's either take a hit or throw it away or throw something stupid. And when you get aggravated and you're behind in games, you try to make something happen. And, you know, you don't always think correctly. And then that's where you can get mistakes out of teams. So I think that's where it's trending uh, on the defensive side of the ball. And we tried to tell everybody with the amount of changes that were made on this defense. They started, they started three new defensive linemen. They started two new linebackers. They're starting three new players in the secondary. But yet everybody wants to complain about the defense. They want to complain about the defensive coordinator. And what did you guys expect? It's not plug and play. It just doesn't work that way. On the defensive side of the ball, more than anything, you need to know the tendencies. You know, what exactly the players around you do well and don't do so well. You know where you got to pick your teammate up. And you're not going, A, number one, if they did practice together, you're not going to learn it there. You only way you're going to learn it is playing. So they're two games in. Uh, they're one and one. And the other thing is one and one is where everybody kind of predicted them to be. And, you know, you have this game here against the Bears. Um, I don't know how to take it as far as, you know, do the Bears look more formidable, less formidable, you know, as far as an opponent this week. I think a lot of that comes down to, you know, how crisp the Browns can continue to grow maybe on the offensive side of the ball. But the defense needs to step up. And the fact that these defensive line only has, I mean, this defense as a whole only has two sacks through two games. That's not a good sign thus far either. I mean, the only way you help your coverage out is obviously by getting, you know, an initializing pass rush, which this Browns defensive line should be doing a lot of. Yeah, why Why hasn't it, – has it been miscommunication with the with the new pieces in there? Because certainly on paper, you know, Miles Garrett, Jadavion Clowney, Malcolm Smith, plus, you know, the new safeties, and they drafted Greg Newsom in the first round. Like every, like you said, everyone is kind of expecting the Browns defense to take this big step. And like you said, it's not plug and play. But so then has the, has the issue been – is it communication? Because it doesn't seem like it should be talent. I think I think it's communication, and I also think the other thing is, you know, you have Joe Woods trying to find out what these guys do well together. You know, okay, well, you know what, I really like to do this, but you know what, it doesn't seem to be working. So it's not about what I what I want to run; it's about what these guys do to succeed. And if you don't get a lot of snaps, you don't get a lot of reps. You don't know. So, and that's why we try to tell everybody: look, it's, it, it could be a month, could be five weeks, it could be six weeks, and the Browns are going to be a good enough team that they should be able to weather through this storm. While this defense figures it out, um, the, the defensive line looked ridiculously good week one against Kansas City um, this past week. You know, and credit to Tyrod Taylor, cre credit to Davis Mills. I think the two of them, I mean, Tyrod Taylor especially knows what Miles Garrett is capable of. 
as a former teammate. I think Davis Mills was kind of just you know scared to death, like get me this ball and I'm going to find something white and I'm going to fire it that way. You know, it's just what I want the ball out of my hands as quickly as possible. I don't want to get murdered back here. Um, so yeah, it does get hard. But then you know, but the thing is, is you 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 got to be smart. You got to be active. You got to get your hands up. Um, Malik McDowell's been doing some of those things. Malik Jackson's doing some of those things. Just needed to come together with a little bit more consistency. Um, they're just way too talented, you know, for giving up sixty four percent on third down of you know as far as conversions. This that this defense individually is way too talented. It has to start playing better together as a group and getting off the field faster. When it comes to this, this Browns offense, obviously they're, they're running the ball really well. They've, they've got a really talented running game. Is that, is there, is there still enough trust in, in Baker in terms of even without Jarvis Landry out there? I mean, he's been taking care of the ball. It seems like they've been able to re just rely on the running game and haven't really required Baker to have to do much more than that. But is that, has that just been, purely luxury based or, or is there, is there some question as to how well this, this passing offense has come together, at least to start the season? I think the thing is it, it, there's a, there's a lot of pieces to this passing game. There are a lot of weapons. And when Baker was a rookie, this was great. Um, but they were all, but they were all a bunch of no names. So it was just kind of like, all right, well, this guy's open. Hopefully he makes the play. And it certainly you know worked out that way in 2018. Um, and with Odell Beckham Jr., oh, you know, he was full go today in practice today. If you're a full go on Wednesday, unless something odd happens, you assume he's certainly going to be there on Sunday. So now it's, you know, getting Odell back into the fold. You know, they, the tight ends, it's never an issue because it's just kind of like, all right, you're going to get 12 targets. You might get five. You might get four. You might get three. This Everybody's going to get a little something. So guys, just block, 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 block. When we call your opportunity, you guys will get your, you know, your chances. Uh, Landry out. You got Demetri Felton to step in, but you still got Anthony Schwartz. You still got Donovan Peoples Jones. You still got Rashard Higgins. You still got Kareem Hunt. And so it's kind of like I think sometimes there's just so much going on, and you hate to say to do this to Coach Stefanski is maybe there's just too much skill at sometimes, and you, you get them out there, and you know you try to get everybody involved, sure, but at the end of the day, it's you know find the, find the man, oh you know throw the ball to the open man. But what you did see is you know as Coach Stefanski was speaking to the team after the win on Sunday. You know, he was going through some goals they had in that game. Completion percentage. We wanted to hit 80%. Uh, we didn't hit it. We hit 90. So, I mean, you know, if you if you have a goal in a game that you want your completion percentage to be 80%, you know you're not, you know, we're not winging the ball all over the place. We're running a lot of play action. We know we're going to create a lot of wide open lanes for tight ends. You know, Baker does a lot of, you know, um, boot, booting to his uh, left-hand side. Um, so, it, it's just, there's a lot, lot going on. Um, and you know, week one, we saw a lot of Anthony Schwartz week two. We didn't see much of Anthony Schwartz. Donovan Peoples Jones was the name all summer long. He was having a monster camp, monster camp so far. We haven't really haven't seen much of him. And now Odell comes back to the fold and it's really, really hard to see that number 13 and not say, I, I want to try at least get the ball over there eight, nine, 10 times. Is, is this Brown's offensive line like actually really good? Or do you think you know, the play action and some of the moving pockets helps alleviate some of that. Like, is that is that to help Baker Mayfield more, or is it to help the offensive line more when they do those things that are just generally good ideas offensively? No, they're just as good. They really are. They are really just as good. Um, you have a collection of really, really great talent, and then you throw in Bill Callahan. Um, you know, Jedrick Wills and you know Jack Conklin came to the party last year. Yeah, like fish to water. Basically, it was no issue either way. Um, I think what it is is the reason you're doing this is because. This offensive line is so good, and on the interior with J.C. Shredder and Joe Batonio, they're so smart, and they are so savvy. They can kind of find a way to, even though I'm blocking my guy, I can kind of maybe get a little bit of this guy. So Baker's rolling left. And, I mean, these are generally – I mean, they're basically just extended handoffs. Baker could easily point to the tight end and say, 
Just go. Go block somebody. And I go, I'll, I'll pick up the six yards you were going to get. Why don't you go block the next guy down the field and maybe we'll get 15, 20 out of this thing. But, you know, you, you know, obviously you're going to feed the tight ends. They do all the dirty work. Um, they are a really, really great unit, and they are so good. And the thing is, is it's rare to see an offensive line this talented in both phases. And, you know, because they can, when it's time to run the ball, Jedrick Wills is a monster. Joe Batonio is a monster. Wyatt Teller is an absolute monster. Um, you know, they, you know, Wyatt Teller has some hiccups every now and then in pass pro. Jedrick Wills, you know, with the ankle injury he suffered week one, and everybody I spoke to, nobody, nobody thought Jedrick Wills was playing in week two. Um, the fact that he even worked him out, and then it was like, well, Jedrick Wills is going to start. And I reached out to a couple of people and like, yeah, no, nobody was expecting this. So, but the thing is, you probably figure that ankle is going to be a little bit of a pain in the butt for a while, or maybe at least till a bye week comes around where he can truly get off it for maybe 10 days, 12 days. Uh, so, you know, there is that to it, but they're a fantastic group, great individually talented players, great as a unit. And they play for probably a guy who's going to be no, you know, probably going to go to the hall of fame one day as one of the best offensive line coaches that ever existed in the game. All right, Jeff, last thing here. If, if, what do you think it would take? I think we can both agree that I mean, the Browns are the favored team. It's a seven-point favorite, I think, is, is where the betting line stands now. I think, generally speaking, we're probably both expecting a Browns victory. So I guess I guess two-part question. What would it take? What, what do you think would be the reason why the Bears would win this game? What would need to happen for the Bears to win this game? And then why do you think the Browns are likely to win the game? What, what is it about the Browns-Bears matchup that you see the advantage for Cleveland? Well, the first thing for me is, like, the Browns kind of, like, it felt that last Sunday, and you know, it just kind of felt like, well, they're going to pull this out. You know, they'll clean it up here eventually, and they'll pull it out. Um, and it's weird the team's got to do this. The team, like, it was almost kind of like, all right, enough of the nonsense. Just give the ball to 24 and 27. Let's go score some points, win this thing, and let's get on home. We'll worry about next week. Just kind of what they did for it, pretty much. Um, so it's really weird that a team can just do – I mean, all right, we need a 60-yard drive. All right, just run it. You know, that doesn't happen a lot. does not happen a lot in the NFL, and you know, Browns obviously have the ability to do that. But they cannot get into this – giving people, you know, confidence that maybe they're in these fights. And you, you can't, you just can't do it in the NFL. Look, these guys get paid. You know, there's a lot of good players on the other sidelines, even though if you may have the better roster, it doesn't matter. You give teams an opportunity to stay in games too long, you know, you're going to end up eating, you know, you're going to end up eating an L somewhere along the line. Um, for me, I think, you know, I think Justin Fields is going to come in rattled. And it's not a knock on him. He's played in every venue in college football. Obviously, he's played in tremendously large venues. It's going to be insane, and it's going to be insane because they know who Justin Fields is. And everybody's kind of, like, excited, but as much as they want to see Justin Justin Fields go 15-2 and two in the NFL, one of those L's better be to the Cleveland Browns. You know, like, they will they will forget about Justin Fields this Sunday. They, you know, they'll keep an eye on him. Oh, you know, if it's, you know, say it was 30, 38-7. Oh, it was a beautiful throw there for 17. Nice job, Justin. But this gets to be a game. Oh, no, Justin Fields will be the most hated man in the state of Ohio for three hours on Sunday. Um, and this is key now for the Browns. You know, it, it, you know. now this is week three. You've got Grant Elpin in the fold. Uh, Ronnie Harrison, now he's starting to get this three-safety rotation. Um, they're bringing up, uh, you know, Denebo, who used to be part of the Minnesota Bank. He's had a cup of coffee with the Browns back in the day. They need more from the edge position. And maybe it's because they only have four, and Joe Jackson really isn't a guy that generates much pressure. So they're bringing in another guy who maybe his only calling card is, is that he is a pretty decent pass rusher. Look, you know, end of the day, I don't care where Justin Fields was picked or Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson or any of these guys. It's a rookie quarterbacks. You know, you're supposed to make them look bad. They're supposed to take a couple of rough games in the beginning of their careers. Everybody does. It's just part of the, you know, it's just part of the growing up process. So you know, this is a rookie quarterback making his NFL start. And now one of the loudest stadiums in the NFL that actually roots for the home team 
not usually the visiting team. So, but for Justin Fields, it's going to be a tough one. But I mean, you're the Browns. This is a rookie quarterback making his first start on the road in your house. I, I, you know, these aren't games. These are games you cannot lose. Excellent. Well, Jeff, really appreciate the time here. And it's going to be a fun matchup between two teams that are both excited about what they've got coming in this game. I, I'm kind of in the same boat you are, I think, in terms of Cleveland probably being ahead of this one, but that's why they play the games. And we'll definitely 100%. have some fun this one. So appreciate it. And uh, best of luck on Sunday. Right back at you, Lauren. Always a pleasure. Everybody, Locked On Thursday. Appreciate you coming along for the ride. Um, I love that we've moved these games to Thursday. The show is to Thursday because we used to do these on Wednesday. And if we did that, guess what, guys? You would have just gotten 30 minutes of coverage. And we would have mentioned Justin Fields. And that probably would not have looked so great. But for all the listeners, I appreciate you all. Uh, everybody, of course, you know, make sure uh, whatever um, podcasting platform it is, we're free everywhere. Uh, subscribe, rate, review.